0: This week on the Mic Drop, the Mexican national soccer team comes to town as part of the Mex Tour series. We hear all about it from international soccer marketing executive, Pablo Zarate. He tells us the team is bringing all its stars as a World Cup warm-up. Then we get to know Jeremy Leonards of the new Dallas Jackals of Major League Rugby. After hearing Jeremy take us inside the life of a pro rugby player, including what it means to be the team's engine room, that's actually a thing, I'm pretty sure you're going to want to see Jeremy in the Jackals play at Choctaw stadium. Finally, we check in with Pedro Silva of Univision, Dallas. We talked next tour and world cup. We discuss Martin Perez's resurgence with the Rangers and he gives us a great YouTube recommendation. So let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to the mic drop, everybody—the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. Kevin Sullivan here, battling a little bit of a cold, but as as Monica knows, our executive director of the Dallas Sports Commission, sometimes you got to play with a little bit of a little pain, a little pulled hamstring or something. Also with us is next level Marcus Carr. Thanks for listening and following. It's episode number sixty four, which is pretty pretty incredible when you think about it, Monica. Cowboys offensive lineman Tom Rafferty were 64 during his 14-year NFL career, all with the Cowboys from 1976 to 1989. There's a lot of interesting tidbits about Tom Rafferty, one of which he's the only player to block for both Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman. And along with Two Tall Jones are the only teammates shared by Staubach and Aikman. Uh, Rafferty and Herb Scott were the offensive linemen, who threw the blocks that sprung Tony Dorsett on his infamous 99-yard run against the Vikings in 1983. Rafferty played at one time in 167 consecutive games. At the time, it was a Cowboys record. He played in 18 postseason games, two Super Bowls. He battled some health issues in his post-NFL career, a rare autoimmune disease. We hope he's doing okay. He was a great player for a long time for the Cowboys, uh, stayed here, went into business like so many of our of our longtime pro athletes. So for episode 64, we remember Cowboys lineman number 64, Tom Rafferty. Monica, what's the latest over at the Sports Commission?
1: Oh, it's a busy week this week, um, Sully. Uh, obviously, the Phillips 66 Big 12 uh, Baseball Championships out at Globe Life Field. Uh, Globe Life Field paying off already with uh, some of the storms we had this week, so not interrupting play at all. So I think the those athletes and teams and coaches and the Big Twelve Conference enjoying that. Uh, I'll be out. Uh, I'll, he- I'll be heading out to actually this afternoon to watch my Horns play uh, against TCU. So exciting to to see that action heat up. Uh, we've had uh, this week MEX tour live out at AT and T Discovery District in downtown Dallas. Oh my gosh, I can't tell you the energy that was there last night uh, in the concert and and just the overall atmosphere to really be able to experience the the mexican culture welcome that mexican national team to dallas once again uh as their home away from home uh getting ready for the mex tour match on saturday night versus Nigeria over at AT at&t stadium so so head out there this is uh the end of a of a uh, relationship that we have with the Mexican national team, and obviously hoping to continue that down into the future, but hopefully we can get uh, get there um, a, at a later date. Um, we had a Copaquin reading challenge, which is part of the MEX tour, so uh, I got to celebrate Mesquite ISD and the... Um, the fantastic uh, program that that they participated in with the mexican national team Uh, and hopefully we'll get to a little bit more of that in the segment Uh, i think later today uh we should be finding out if we are a finalist for our women's final four 2028 to 2031 bid uh there's a lot more in the process the the bidding will continue but i think the ncaa are going to announce those finalists later today so keeping our fingers crossed there and then we had a big announcement uh, coming earlier in the week and late last week um, after our last session had aired that uh, FIFA has uh, announced that they will be selecting the host cities on June 16th. So uh, we've been a long time waiting for this decision. Um, so a lot of excitement in the air. We still have a little bit of work to do here over the next few weeks uh, just to get in a in a good position. Uh, FIFA won't be announcing who is hosting the finals and semifinals or the international broadcast centers strictly just uh, the host cities is our understanding at this point. So, um, you know, looking, throwing positive vibes out there for June 16th at Dallas and the, the DFW area. We'll finally know that we're hosting world cup in 2026. And then there's still a lot of work to do uh, in terms sure. of trying to secure that international broadcast center, obviously uh, continuing to have discussions with FIFA Uh, In terms of where the finals might be hosted and uh, where where semifinals and and a few other things. So uh, excited to move along in this process. A lot of people have worked uh, many, many hours and to get us to this point. So I I thank them and I'll elaborate on that uh, on a later episode probably around the June 16th or right there after uh, if we're selected as a host city. Uh, well, and even if we aren't, but I'm not even going to think of that uh, at this point. So uh busy week for us here, Sally.
0: Monica, as we all have June 16th now circled on our calendars, well, give our give our give <laughs> our listeners a little bit of a sense for how long you and your team at the Sports Commission have been working on this. When did you Submit the bid. I know you worked on the bid for a long time before you submitted it. When did this work start?
1: Well, I, I always say technically for this bid process, it it started uh, July t- two thousand seventeen. I I received a phone call and uh, right before I think the July fourth holiday, I was leaving the office and I took a phone call that afternoon. And um, John Christic, who I had worked with in twenty ten uh, when we were bidding on the twenty eighteen and twenty twenty two. Uh, World Cups that are you know we're in Russia and now Qatar uh, asked you know just taking a pulse what what do you think if uh, we were to put in another bid for the World Cup and my response has been I've been waiting seven years for your phone call yes we're in you know we're ready to do this uh, once again so technically this one was June 2017 but I kind of consider it 2010 so you can say 20 or 12 years or you can say I guess, Oh, what, five years, uh, that we've, we've been working on this and obviously COVID threw a little, uh, uh delay in it and us being able to connect directly with FIFA and, and start that process. But, uh, June, 2018 is when FIFA made the announcement that, uh, Canada, Mexico and United States would be hosting the world cup. So, um, a lot goes into it. This one for sure. Much uh, much more goes into it than any of our other bids that uh, we've been working on. But I think the rewards are are, are plenty as well.
0: Well, our, our, our fingers and toes are crossed. We know you've done everything possible and put so much into it. So let's see what happens on June 16th. Uh, I also want to thank Marcus for jumping in for me last week when I was doing my day job. Uh, I had the good fortune of working the PGA Championship uh, at, at, up in Tulsa at Southern Hills, it was a, you know, another great week. And of course, there's always a Dallas connection to every big sporting event. We know that this time it wasn't Scotty Scheffler, world number one, who who didn't make the cut. Surprisingly, it was Will Zalatoris uh, who lost in a heartbreak, heartbreaker in a playoff uh, to Justin Thomas, also a great champion. Will, of course, is from Plano, went to Trinity Christian, and he is going to win one of these he is going to break through. He's got that look in his eye. And he's got the game to match. So that was cool. And we have to, Monica. We've got to congratulate Marcus and and also uh, our intern Reeves Edens for both graduating with a masters and masters of science and sports management degrees from SMU. So you think does the Will and the, the the Marcus and Reeves look a little smarter
1: oh. to today than they did? Yeah, and I'm actually kind of sad that you know I wasn't teaching at SMU when they were going through their undergrad and, and and that sort of thing. I could have had them in class and really tested them out back in the back in the day. But uh, congratulations for sure to both. I know uh, what that means, and uh, uh, no doubt that they're going to be superstars as they continue through their careers.
0: Yeah, watch out, Dallas Fort Worth, because here comes uh, Reeves Eddins and Marcus Carr, two talented young sports professionals. Uh, Back in a moment to talk more about the next tour and a World Cup with Pablo Zarate. But first, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors.
2: Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events. Whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches, Dallas (laughs) sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup.
0: Thanks, Rachel. And now we're pleased to be joined by Pablo Zarate, the Vice President of International Properties for Soccer United Marketing, also known as SUM. SUM encompasses the marketing and promotion of Major League Soccer, the U.S. Soccer Federation, uh, the Mex- Mexican national team for their uh, engagements in the U.S., Gold Cup, CONCACAF Com- Champions League. This is a guy, long career in, in sales and marketing and soccer. Before then, in, in, on the corporate side with Coca-Cola, it was a lot about about marketing soccer globally. Uh, and we're pleased to have Pablo Zarate join us here on the Mic Drop. Welcome.
3: Thank you, Kevin. Very pleased to be here Thank you for the for the invitation.
1: Pablo, a big night last night over at uh, Mixed Tour Live at AT AT&T Discovery District. Great to see you out uh, last night, and thank you for being such a great partner of ours at the Sports Commission in in Dallas in the DFW area. So we're about to engage upon another... uh, uh, next tour, and you know we're we're one of your stops, and you're rolling out out across the country as well. We're at at Stadium on uh, Saturday, May 28th, against Nigeria. Tell some of our listeners just uh, about the tour and the stops, uh, and then about the stop here in the Dallas area.
3: Absolutely. Good morning, Monica. It was very good to to see you last last night, as as you were saying, tremendous event that we had yesterday at at and Discovery District. A lot of energy, a lot of Passionate yeah. fans just cheering and just combining soccer with culture, music. Mm-hmm. I think it was it was a great night. Uh, talking about it specifically about the the match on on Saturday we expect to have a, a huge crowd attending the, the match. I mean, obviously there is a lot of excitement. There is a lot of momentum with the men's Mexican national team. There is in, in the wrong way to uh, the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. So this is one of, well, this is going, will be the first stop of the, the summer. So this opens the, a series of three games that the Mexican national, three preparation games that the team is gonna, gonna have. So we'll just start, uh, as you were saying, on, on Saturday against Nigeria at AT&T Stadium that is going to be full of energy. We have a lot of um, momentum as well and, and just a second match in that, in that window that it's going to be on June 2nd against uh, Uruguay at uh, State Farm Stadium in Phoenix, Arizona. And then we'll conclude on um, June 5th at Soldier Field in Chicago against the national team of Ecuador. So two two World Cup uh, teams, um, another one that was very close to... to, to qualify, it was a bit unfortunate for for Nigeria. They have a tremendous squad, so we should expect a very very competitive uh, match. They're coming with all their stars, so that's uh, something that we're very very hoping to to see. And and again, it's the first test uh, in in the wrong way to to 2022. We'll see how the team performs.
1: Well, I know that uh, I'm always excited when this event comes around each year because the passion and excitement of those Mexican national team fans is is like no other. Uh, It's just energy that encompasses AT&T Stadium. And you were exactly right when you talked about AT&T Discovery District last night. Uh, You know, I think this was always a goal of ours whenever uh, we were creating this uh, partnership and – hosting the Mexican national team and, and tour on a, on a four or five year basis now and wanting to really nail that concert series and and kind of, a, uh, just, yeah, experiencing the culture and music and, and everything that goes along with it. And it was, uh, it was fantastic event. So congratulations to your team on that. Um, as you, uh, you know, you, a, a long tour series, obviously for the Mexican national team. You have other properties uh, with some as well. How do you approach your potential sponsors or commercial partnerships? Uh, you know, what is your sales pitch as you're kind of out there uh, trying to get the your partnerships on board?
3: Well, at, at the end of the day, uh, this is a property that it's not new in, in the marketplace, right? We've been in partnership with the Mexican Federation. For almost two decades and we recently announced that we're going to extend uh, our deal for another six years so we'll go all the way to 2028 so you think about it by the end of this uh of this partnership it's going to be about three decades right there's a lot going on like a lot of work that has been uh put into into this and we have uh like if you think where this um this started it was just um, random games that were played in, in different cities were probably going to one or two markets. Now it's it's a national tour. It's a property that is not just about the the men's national team, we're including now the the women's. That it's we're gonna start touring with the the women's as 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 well. So it's it's a lot that that has has gone. We're really shifting from from five games that we're playing in in average every every year. We're trying to position the 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 Mexican national team as a. 365 uh, property. This is something that you were saying about the passion of the, the fans. These, these fans really care about their team. It doesn't matter if it's the, the youth squad, if it's the women's, if it's the men's. Like they really want to engage every single time. They're very active on, on social media, it's the number one national team follow on, on, on social media across all, all platforms. So that tells you about the the scale that that it has in in just specifically about the the US. There is more than sixty million fans here in the in the US, according to the last study that we did with Equation Research back in in twenty twenty. So we really present uh, to to partners this as the premier uh, Hispanic uh, Hispanic property by far, but also like I I will put it uh, among the top um, sport properties in in the U.S., right? If you think about it, like, especially with the the men's team, the the ability that it has to, when we go on tour to different cities, like, for example, in this window that I was mentioning, we're going to have games, three games in three uh, big NFL buildings, and those are going to be sold out. That tells you about the the power of of city property. So I think brands recognize that, especially, like, they are also happy that they're hungry to connect with, with our audience, that it's, it's becoming more and more relevant as the demographics uh, continue to change here in, in North America.
1: Well, Celine, I think I heard Pablo say there's another bid opportunity here <clears throat> with the women's uh, Mexican women's national team coming to Dallas. So I'm going to have to get on that. him. I'm going to see him uh, later this week. So, uh, Pablo, that'll be a topic of conversation for sure. I, I start salivating when I hear stuff like that. So uh, just be prepared. Um, <laughs> so uh, as you look ahead uh, to the 2022 World Cup in Qatar uh, taking place in November and December this time, you know, Mexican national team has has um, has continued to grow and progress. Um, what might be your projections for what could happen over in, in Qatar? I feel like they have a good shot.
3: I think so too. I mean, it's not an an easy group uh however i think that the the team uh, if they continue with this this preparation i think they can and they have a, a, a very good squad right like, i think it's, it's about it's about timing it's about the the momentum that the the team can uh, can have uh, especially now the with the world cup being uh during the the months of, of november december it's a little bit unique so i think that's something that uh, probably can play as an advantage to teams that normally uh, don't get to the, the final stages. So I think if this is something that is going to be unique for, for everybody. Mm-hmm. But if you ask me, like I feel pretty um, confident that the Mexican national team can have a good run. And I, I will probably say that it's it's, uh, it's a possibility that they win their their, their three uh, group stage matches so i, I don't uh, rule that out i think it's it's possible like even having argentina with messi and all that doesn't matter i mean uh, you you might remember that they they played uh, not long ago at the CNT stadium it was a 2-2 with with messi on the on the pitch as well so this thing can can come again. And Mexico was very close to to win that that match. I mean, they were tied in the very last last minute. So again, it can be one of those games.
0: You mentioned, Pablo, the the uh we're talking about the Mex tour. There's only four stops on the tour. You mentioned Phoenix, Chicago, and Atlanta, in addition to the match on Saturday at ATT Stadium. We also noticed how Monica just jumped in with it when she saw another opportunity to, to bid on the women's side. But besides Monica's powers of persuasion and the skill of her team, how is Dallas-Fort Worth selected for one of the stops on the next tour?
3: Well, Dallas is obviously a key and priority market for Everybody that surrounds the, the Mexican national team, right? Obviously, for the the Mexican federation, it's a strategic market because of the demographics, the the people. Obviously, the partnership that we have with the Dallas Sports Commission, with always with FC Dallas, makes it even more important for for us as a Super United marketing as an organization to bring this this together. It's a commitment that that we have, and again, it's is is really has uh, over the last four years this has been able to be positioned as the home away from home for the the men's Mexican Mm -hmm. national team. So this is again, a great opportunity for for us to to connect with this uh, fan base. And not just, just with the annual game that we've been able to, to organize, but more importantly with with some of the, the programs, trying to connect with the community for our is for us is also about the legacy, the things that we can do in the, the local communities with the reading program Kapakin, that it's the tremendous results that, that we have seen. We really see the the impact of those those initiatives. And we really want to to do more of of that, right? Like it's it's for us really really important to be in in Dallas. Obviously, Dallas has everything to offer from in terms of infrastructure. The location um, in in the map is also very very important that allow us to to really, especially for these when we have like back to back games. It's good in and out. So again. Dallas has many, many things to to offer, right? And also for our sponsors and our commercial partners is is a really important uh, city that they really want to to be here. There's another
0: quote for the website, Monica, from, from another testimonial and all that that Dallas has to offer. I noticed in your bio, uh, Pablo, that you studied at the University of Liverpool. And Monica mentioned the passion of the of fans of the Mexican national team. and I know you're a fan. Uh, but how do you compare when you when you had those years in in in, in the UK? How do you compare the passion of the uh the fans in Mexico to the to the Premier League fans that you encountered during your years uh, studying in the UK? Well, it, it's a it's
3: a great uh, great. Point. I, I had the opportunity to uh, visit many many. St- Stadiums in in the UK. While I was uh, studying there, Anfield was by far the the best uh, experience from from the time that I that I spent in in the UK. Just the the atmosphere uh, was was electric. I mean, fans supporting during the the ninety minutes. I mean, they are very savvy. They know when to push, when to sing, when to when to stop. So they are very much connected to the team, and you can really feel when when they start singing the you'll never walk alone and, and and all that like it's just a different experience and I compare it very much to our Mexican national team matches it's a little bit of the, the same the same energy the same vibe uh they have the you'll never walk alone we have the cielito lindo and pe- people always love to sing that during during matches this is again a, a very powerful moment also when when the 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 players go to the pitch and and we start singing the uh, the the anthem. So all of those those things are, are are great. And I think also the the fans here, especially for all all the fans in 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 the US, this this uh, the nostalgia and just being able to to connect and just connect with their their the roots and, and and just be back home for for a few few minutes for for those that were born in Mexico and for the others. Uh, to really connect with the, their history and 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 who the, their their parents come from and and all that, it's it's just great. I mean, they you can really see the the faces, the smiles, the the energy, the cheers, la hola, So many many things that that happen during their matches that makes it a, a most watched event for for sure.
0: I remember having to memorize "Cielito Lindo" in Spanish class in high school. I couldn't sing it right now, but I. I love that moment when, when I you know catch those highlights uh, from the Mexican National Games. It's pretty cool. Uh, Monica mentioned, of course, June sixteenth as the big day when when FIFA will make an announcement about the about the host cities for twenty twenty six World Cup. I mean, I, you you probably have to remain impartial, but what do you what do you think of that? What do you think of you know how Dallas would be as a World Cup site? What do you think our chances are?
3: I think it's it's definitely an, an important day that everybody has been waiting for for quite some time now. Uh but I think Dallas has pretty much everything to 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 offer to become one of the the host cities for the for the 2026 FIFA FIFA World Cup. Do you compare to like from again, going back to infrastructure, uh, location, all these different things that are very important for the, the decision process is 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 just. I think Dallas is in, a, in in a great position to to become one of those those cities, right? And and I think the, the this partnership, I, I think also it's a good testament. It's a good example of things how things get get, get done. Uh, in in Dallas, I think this is, this is definitely a a soccer city. Uh, we see it with the Mexican national team, but also with FC Dallas, and and I think it's uh, it has many things to to offer. Right, like you have like. All the the access points and, and it's easy to get in and out to to move from from this city to to another so for for fans i think that's something that it's going to be very important the ability to travel from one city to to another and i think dallas in that sense is a very well well positioned and again going back to in terms of infrastructure the passionate fans everything is is in place
1: so pablo before we let you out of here um i wanted to uh, kind of expand on on world cup a little bit but mainly i want to know your thoughts on we know the the benefits of you know the economic de- development and economic impact of what a world cup could do we know the kind of international exposure of being in a spotlight um, especially if we were to get the international broadcast center or a final or semi-final that sort of thing it kind of sets you up on a on another level but what do you think would be most surprising uh to our to our community, to to the residents and locals that are here, of what to expect from a World Cup if we were or, were to host it, because it's. I mean, we've hosted Super Bowls, we've hosted NBA uh, All Star games and and uh, NCAA men's Final Fours and that sort of thing. But what do you think might be the most surprising of uh, what they're not expecting or envisioning? I
3: will say that there is nothing comparable in terms of sporting events to, to the world cup. So I had had the opportunity to be in, in South Africa, Brazil, Russia, most recently I was in, in Qatar, but I can tell you like those cities, those countries changed completely uh, for, for good. I mean, in terms of like all the, the effort, the, like when, when really, um all, all the constituents get behind these these bits and, and, Put all the energy and and all the the work, you know, to get those um, those bids and, and become host of, of of the the World Cup. Do you really see an an impact on on everything that happens? Right, it starts from from infrastructure in, in terms of like these are long term benefits for for the, the the local local people, right? Like in terms of uh, again like when. It's needed to, to build new roads or, or like new ways of, of transportation. Uh, also in terms of the, the 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 factor of the X factor of just making people proud of, of their city and, and just supportive of, of that. Like they want to to really show their, their best their best face and and stuff like that. So that brings up very positive energy, just creates some, some momentum that it's Again, something very, very important for for those those cities that are in in, in contention. So again, in, in this case, uh, I think that Dallas can can really evolve for 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 for, be- for best because I mean right now it's very well positioned. But the 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 up when when it comes here to, to to Dallas, I think is gonna gonna change for for good many 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 things.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Even in 1994 when we hosted, I th- people still talk about it today. And uh, you, I don't know. I think we still reap benefits from 1994, even though we may not uh, realize it. But uh, I had the opportunity to go once to one World Cup in, in Russia in 2018. And uh, I've been to almost every major sporting event uh, that there is uh, or definitely at the top of my list. And uh, <clears throat> that one was... <clears throat> at a different level i mean uh the energy there the fans the everybody cheering for everyone no matter what country you know you were from and who was on the pitch so it um i'm excited to hopefully get the chance to welcome the world to dallas and uh all the different soccer fans and, and and teams and coaches and staff so um pablo thank you for joining us today on the mic drop i look forward to seeing you here uh in dallas the rest of the week and uh once again i I really thank you for our our partnership over the years.
3: Thank you, Monica, for the the invite. We're very appreciative of your support, all your help, and really bringing all these parties uh, together. Thank you for the invite, Kevin. Thank you so much.
1: All right. And now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors.
2: Did you know the Dallas Zoo provides guests with real-life opportunities to make memorable connections with more than 2,000 animals? Please support the zoo's mission to inspire and empower action on behalf of the wildlife in Texas and around the world. Visit dallaszoo.com to purchase your tickets today.
0: Thanks, Rachel. And now we are really excited to be joined by Jeremy Leonards. He's a member of the first-year Dallas Jackals of Major League Rugby, whose next home game, by the way, is Saturday, June 4th, against the Utah Warriors. Jeremy is a native of Ghent, Belgium, started playing rugby as a nine-year-old. Went on to represent Belgium in international competitions, played professionally in France where he won a couple championships, or one or two, Uh, came to the U.S., played at Central Washington University, was honorable mention All-America, joined Major League Rugby in 2017 uh, where he won two championships with the Seattle Seawolves. We're going to hopefully bring that kind of success to Dallas. Uh, Jeremy, welcome to the Mic Drop. It's really a pleasure to have you on.
4: Hi, Kevin, and uh, thanks for having me. It's um, great being here and uh, talking about the Jackals. Yeah, we're going to get into it. So tell us, what's it been like so far?
0: Living in Dallas, playing at Choctaw Stadium, of course, the former home of the Texas Rangers has been converted to be the home of the Jackals. What's the experience been like so far?
4: Yeah, it's been, it's been uh, amazing so far, and I had the pleasure to be able to compare a bit since I've been um, living in Seattle before and then coming to Texas, And um, being here in Dallas, it's definitely completely different. And that's in a good way. Um, I enjoy uh, being here and just how uh, buzzing the the Metroplex is. A lot, a lot of uh, good sports fans and um, people are starting to get more interested in rugby. So I I enjoy being here so far and then also... Being able to play in the stadium as the Choctaw Stadium, which is, I mean, an amazing stadium for um, for us as rugby players. Just being in there, having the fans there. Um, so up and, up so far, it's been it's been really a uh, uh, quite an experience. Now we're all learning rugby, and uh, there is a fantastic
0: rugby one-on-one video on at DallasJackals.com. I would urge our listeners to go check it out. And one of the things I learned is that you play the position that's called lock. And I learned that that's the second row. And so you're tall, you're six, four. So that helps to be, but the thing that I, the thing that I, that I really liked was that this position is sort of affectionately known as the engine room. So, so tell us, tell us about playing that position, uh, you know, and,
4: and just kind of your role on the team. Well, in the, um it's called the engine room, um, and it, that's because whenever you're a lock or a second rower, you basically um, you. Whenever there's a scrum, which is um, eight people that push against other eight people of the other team, and the ball gets rolled in the middle, and you're trying to push each other away, trying to get the ball back. So you, as a second rower, I'm basically in the. Um, behind the front row, the first row, and then there's a guy behind me as well, the eight man. So you're in between two rows, basically, and you're pushing, trying to push, put all your weight through, pushing each other over. So you're kind of a little bit compressed in between <laughs> uh, two different people, but <clears throat> you you have to generate a lot of power and you have to be able to... Um, to transfer that power uh, in the scrum. So that's kind of why it's called the engine room. Also, as a lock, you um, you do a lot of, uh, I would say, like, the, a lot of contact. Uh, you run a lot with the ball. You kind of a little bit um, cleaning the ball whenever whenever there's a ruck. So a lot of, I would say, more like the physical stuff. Then you have other people um, on the team that are more like faster, um, fast-paced guys. So there's a, a great variety of different types of athletes, and my position is um, is indeed called a little bit more the engine room, just because of that physicality that you need to have as um, as a player in that position. Now you mentioned the height as well, six four, and um, there's definitely there's there's people that are taller than me on the team, but um, I'm probably one of the taller guys on the team, and that's because when you're a lock there is um, one of the reset plays and whenever the, the ball gets um, gets outside, so whenever there's like, um, when the ball gets kicked outside or everything and there's a reset play, there's a line out. And in the line out, um, when people first time see it as, a, as, as American people, American fans see it, it's when you throw your teammate up in the air almost kind of like a cheerleader move. I mean, when you see it and you try to compete for the ball up in the air. So that's why the height in my position is something very, uh, a big advantage. So
0: give our listeners, Jeremy, a sense of what a typical week is like in terms of training is, you know, mm-hmm. a, a practices, weight room. What, what does a typical week
4: look like for the gym? Yes, definitely. Definitely. So a typical week will, will be Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday practice. Wednesday is our recovery day um, because most games are on a Saturday, Saturday evening. And then Monday, we'll come in early. um, We'll get together with the guys. We'll make sure that um, you you have a good breakfast and everything before that. Make sure you're fueled up. You get some mobility stuff done. There'll be probably like analysis, video analysis of how the game went on the weekend. You start reflecting on that. What can you do better individually, but also as a team? So a lot of team meetings. And eventually we split up in two different different specialty teams, I would call them, which is the forwards and the backs. And you start working on individual skills. Then we'll turn into um, the gym. So one group goes into the gym, do some strength and conditioning work because it's one of the bigger parts of rugby, making sure that you are well-prepared physically, because it is an intense contact sport, and you got to make sure that, like, your body uh, can handle those those contacts. So we'll be in the gym quite a a bit, at least, like, three times a week. Um, And then we'll do a group session later on, um, after our little break where we fuel up and so on. So I would say we'll be done about, like, 2 p.m., something like that. Which doesn't mean that in the afternoon you can work on some individual skills, go over some of the um, your personal video replays and try to get better as, a, as an individual to add to the team. And then that kind of goes on building throughout the week. And by Friday, it's a little bit less intensive because obviously we have a game on Saturday, but it's still switched on in the mind.
1: So, Jeremy, we had Jekyll's president and Scott Sanju on uh, before the season started, and he talked a lot about the long-range plans to win over our local sports fans here, you know, those that might not be as familiar with, with rugby. Uh, what can you tell our, our general sports fans about why they should come out to a, to a game and get to know the Dallas Jackals and, and rugby as a sport?
4: Yes, so if you've never seen um, uh, a rugby game before, it's very Continuous fast pace sport. It's also a lot of contact, which um, a lot of sports fans uh, tend to find exciting, um, as football is also very, uh, very uh, popular here. Um, also, we don't wear any pads, um, which makes it maybe even more exciting, although that we also um, make sure that we're very safe with the tackling and stuff like that. But so it's a lot of, of fast paced action. There's not a lot of stop, stoppages. So we'll have like maybe like two minutes game continues going on, going on. And you also play attack and defense at the same time. So whenever you turn over the ball, you just keep on playing, keep on playing. There's not like a stoppage and there's another team or another part of the team that comes in. So I think that's very exciting to see. Um, And then, yeah, it, it just, it just, there's a lot of different, a wide variety of athletes, like I said. So there will be, people that are very fast and maybe um there will be people that are a little bit uh, less fast but like very physical so with that wide variety of of, of of players on a team it's actually exciting to watch
1: all right jeremy uh between your college and major league rugby experience you've been in the u.s for a number of years now are we making any progress as a rugby uh, nation
4: Yes. I mean, I had the uh, advantage as a rugby player to when I arrived into the States to be comparing between uh, college rugby and then eventually professional rugby. So when I first arrived, I noticed that there's a lot of great facilities to produce uh, uh, rugby players here in the state. That's number one. And year by year, the universities here are accepting more and more rugby into their programs. They're making it a varsity rugby sport. They're getting more funding. And as a player in university, you actually have something to look forward to being, there is a major league rugby. You know that you're working towards something when you get out of college, you can become professional. There's also a draft that's been established and the level of rugby has been going up year by year. When I look at um, when I came into the league, which was the inaugural season in 2017, the level then to the uh, compared to the level that the rugby um, we, that we have right now in the league is very different in a positive way. So yes, there's a lot of improvement being made on the field, the level of rugby, but also behind the scenes, which I was able to notice uh, a little bit more as a player than if you would be somebody standing outside like a fan or, uh, or something like that. So um, it's an exciting part. To, it's an exciting time to be part of rugby in the United States. Definitely, also with the new announcement that in 2031 um, the Rugby World Cup will be held in the United States, the Men's Rugby World Cup, and in 2033 the Women's Rugby World Cup will also be held in the United States. So it's a great pathway for the Major League Rugby to keep on growing and keep continue that progress. All the way up to the major event, um, which is the Rugby World Cup.
1: Yes, uh, something we're very excited about here uh, as well, Jeremy. In that, uh, uh, hoping uh, we're we'll, we're list on we're a city on the list of future uh, possible candidate uh, host cities for both 2031 and 2033. So, really enjoyed working through that process. It's something that we're. We we like to host big events, and uh, um, obviously FIFA yep. World Cup is the top of our list right now for 2026. But uh, Rugby World Cup, both the men's and the women's, uh, is important, and I. You know, if we look back to see kind of what these major events do in terms of the growth of those sports uh, and the legacy, quite honestly, that it leaves behind for the cities. And, you know, the opportunity to really grow rugby on a youth level here, I think, is uh, really important. So I know that the the Jackals do some stuff within the community. Um, um, So. That, that'll be something that leads into that Rugby World Cup hopefully for us in, in 2031 and look forward to really partnering with the Jackals in order to, to um, uh, have a further impact here on our community. So uh, you you have a shot to, to play in this uh, 2031 uh, Rugby World Cup or what, what do we have to do to ensure that?
4: <laughs> well, I would say... Um... 2031 might be a, a bit of, uh, of, of a long run for me because I'm um, 29 right now. Uh. But um, there's definitely there's definitely some some more rugby world cups coming up. Um, one in France and then in Australia. So um, so we'll have to keep a close uh, eye towards that. So what does the
1: um, what does the qualification process look like uh, for for both of those those world cups for the so US?
4: For to, the, um, yeah for the U.S. to qualify? So, for the U.S., there will be um, another game that they'll have to play in July uh, against Chile. Um, And it's a... one game in the U.S. in uh, Denver, Colorado, and then there'll be one back in Chile. And then the the team that actually wins those games basically gets into the Rugby World Cup. So those two games will be um, very important for the U.S. And there's been previous games before that that they played and basically to get to that point where they could qualify. Um, So those two games will be uh, close to watch for uh, for fans of the national rugby team, uh, the U.S. Eagles, they're called. Um, and if they do win those games, they'll get to go to the Rugby World Cup in uh, France. Well, Jeremy, it's been a uh, been a blast having you on and learning about
0: rugby. Uh, fans need to go to jackals.com, dallasjackals.com, to check out tickets for the next home game, which is Saturday, June 4th, against the Utah Warriors. we got to take them down, Jeremy. Before we let you go, though, I want to give a shout-out to our local rugby clubs, the community here. We have a strong community in Dallas-Fort Worth. I know the Dallas Harlequins go way back to the early 70s. They've been strong. Uh, my son Frank played rugby in high school and in the summer uh, got to train, even though he was way smaller and younger, got to train with uh, uh, the Dallas uh, RFC club over at Lake Highlands Park. And they were great to him, gave him a jersey at the end of a couple of weeks of training with them. so. So we're pulling for the Jackals, but have you felt the support of the local? We do have a pretty good heritage in Dallas uh, with, with rugby clubs. Have you have you got a chance to
4: see see them or interact with them at all in the community? Well, um, exactly. There's a, there's a great heritage of rugby here in the Dallas Fort Worth uh, metroplex, and we've been very fortunate because there's. Um, they come out to our games. They got even like some um, players that feed into our program, um, which basically shows that the Jackals are really focused on forming those um, uh, American rugby players. Um, it's, it's, it's a big part of the strategy. And we've been able to interact with um, the teams here, the local teams here. And they've been a great support towards um, the success of this organization. So, yes.
0: Well, thanks again uh, for joining us, Jeremy, and all the best uh, to to the Dallas Jackals playing at Choctaw Stadium. And now, back in a moment with Pedro Silva of Univision to talk more soccer, but first over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors.
2: The Perot Museum of Nature and Science plays a vital role in preparing the most talented and diverse STEM workforce of tomorrow right here in Dallas. Become a member today and enjoy free admission and other valuable benefits to support this nonprofit landmark. Visit perotmuseum.org for more information.
0: Thanks, Rachel. And now we're pleased to be joined by Pedro Silva, the Emmy Award winning sports anchor for Univision Dallas since 2013, I think uh, did you you succeeded the great Mario Montez, right? Uh, right, Pedro?
5: Good morning, Kevin. Uh, yes, that is correct. Um, it's been, let's
0: see, 2012, so 10 years since I first years, started. 10 years, yeah. He, Ma- Mario in my Mavericks years was one of my favorite members of the media. Uh, just a wonderful guy, always smiling, really great reporter and, and anchor. And we always enjoyed our association with uh, Univision 23, even way back then. Now you've 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 covered all sports, so not just soccer. But I read in your bio that you still play recreational soccer. So tell us about your game. You know who, what what soccer stars do you aspire to play like, or that <laughs> remind you of you. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, I'm
5: from Venezuela. So when people say Venezuela, they think about a baseball country. They don't really think about a soccer country. Right. But in reality for me, uh, yeah, I've played soccer since I was a little kid. And here in Dallas, I mean, all over the place. I've played at Indu- uh, Inwood Soccer Center in Addison. Um, I've played in Royal Lane. So it's all recreational with friends. Uh, as far as styles of play, I mean, I grew up watching players like uh, Ronaldo and Estadio da Lima, the Brazilian Ronaldo. Uh, Alexandro Del Piero, uh, the Italian uh, soccer player, that Francesco Totti. And here in the U.S., uh, Tony Meola. I remember, it was a goalkeeper that I really enjoyed watching, actually. Um, same with Alexi Lalas, uh, Marcelo Balboa. So mm-hmm. all these players now that are, most of them are now analysts, uh, I grew up watching. So um, that, to me, was fun to watch.
0: Now, FC Dallas off to a nice start. Uh, they take on Orlando City Saturday night at Toyota Stadium. How do you assess their start to the season under new head coach? Uh, we had Nico Estevez on the mic drop. We were all very impressed with him uh, before the season started. How do you think he's doing? And what do you think so far of, the, of FC Dallas this season?
5: Wow. Nico has done a wonderful job. Um, right now, I
0: believe FC Dallas is third in the
5: Western Conference, uh, despite their last two games where they lost uh, against uh, Minnesota and Vancouver. But other than that, I mean, FC Dallas is off to a wonderful start. Um, you see that Jesus Herrera is one of the top league scorers right now. Uh, Polo Riola is doing a wonderful job. And I think Nico has been able to establish a system that so far is working really well for FC Dallas. Um, I enjoy watching them play. Uh, I believe that they have rhythm, they have chemistry. And again, one of the keys is goal scoring. That was a problem last year where they were trying to find a number nine uh, and I think Jesus is doing a wonderful job and you can tell that Nico being with the U S soccer Federation and now uh, a coach for SC Dallas, you, he's been able to uh, kind of pass along the message for the players and, and I think they're getting it. So it, it's wonderful.
1: So Pedro, big, uh, big soccer week uh, here in Dallas, uh, over at at and stadium, um, this weekend, uh, start of the the mex tour for 2022 as mexico heads into preparation for the world cup in qatar in qatar what do you see from uh the mexican national team or what are you anticipating to possibly see on saturday
5: yeah uh, big game like you said uh, at at&t stadium uh, mexico nigeria one of the first preparation games for uh uh, Tata Martino uh, leading up to the world cup. And I, I think it should be an interesting test. Uh, despite Nigeria being historically a really great team, they were not able to make it to the world cup this year. So we'll see uh, what they can bring to the table. I-, I think on paper, it should be a winnable game for Mexico. And um, I-, I really want to see what, uh, what they can bring. Um, they basically brought their a squad. We saw yesterday, some of it uh, in, in yeah. the event at AT&T District uh, with Memo Choa, uh, with Raul Jimenez, uh, Tecatito Corona. Uh, the only player that couldn't make it, I believe, out of the stars is uh, Chucky Lozano. And he's basically going to make the trip since he's injured. But um, other than that, I think it should be a fun game. And I think we should see a quality uh, team on the field this Saturday.
1: It's always very exciting to, to watch the Mexican national team. So I'm, I'm excited to see what we have on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Uh, on uh, We've got a big announcement coming up uh, on June 16th, uh, something that we've been waiting for and working towards for a while now in, the, in a FIFA uh, World Cup announcement. What do you think uh, Dallas's chances are to, to be a World Cup city?
5: Uh, I think they're high. I mean, I really think so. We know that Dallas is a market that it has grown tremendously in the last couple of years. It keeps growing. It keeps developing. Um, You have venues like AT&T Stadium, Cotton Bowl that already has been a World Cup venue. Um, So we'll see. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I hope that we get good news And not only good news in terms of being just a host venue, but especially for either a quarterfinal or a semifinal and why not a final game. But if it's just a quarterfinal or semifinal game, I will be happy since that's going to bring obviously a huge uh, economic impact to this area. Uh, It's going to bring tourists. It's going to bring more joy and more excitement to keep developing soccer. So um, I'm looking forward to it. That should be awesome. Do you
0: remember from last time you were on uh, last year, I wasn't, here for that episode because it was the week of the pga championship so i missed you then but i'm glad to ask you now this is the portion of the of the pod where we ask our media guests to offer a streaming or a download recommendation what are you watching reading listening to it can be music podcast tv book movie what do you have for us this time uh pedro
5: wow and that's a really great question um let's see as far as podcast You'd be surprised. I mean, obviously I, I watch a lot of sports, man. I watch games 24 seven. So when I try to not disconnect myself, but when I try to change things a little bit, I like to watch uh, entrepreneurship stuff. So there's a a channel on YouTube. It's called Valuetainment. Uh, Patrick Bet David, he's the host. Um, I strongly recommend it. He used to actually live here, uh, I believe in Plano, but now he's in Miami. Um, but he's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, their channel is the number one channel for entrepreneurs. So if anybody's looking to start that uh, that platform, uh, they have great insight. They have awesome hosts. I mean, awesome guests. So I really enjoy
0: watching them. That's a good one, Monica. What do you What do you have for us this week?
1: Well, I didn't get a lot of uh, chance this week to to watch uh, anything, but I did Tuesday night watch the final episode of This Is Us. And This Is Us is a a show that when it started, I really couldn't get into. I I just, I struggled. But I went back and I started it and it's actually one of my favorites. So gonna be uh, a little sad that the Pearson family, uh, I won't get to see them on a weekly basis any longer.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. In an era of prestige television, the the traditional network shows don't get a whole lot of respect. This is an extraordinary show. The writing is incredible the storytelling you know the flash forwards and the look backs the cast is great so uh well, i'm right there with you So i'm gonna tell you uh, they
1: ended it right uh i think uh, they did inter- they put a lot of work into the ending of uh, uh the right. last season of this is us much different than what i might report on the ozark side of things right. so whenever I, I did, you give I, me I, a chance
0: and, right and 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 uh, Pedro, I I let Monica down two weeks in a row. She wanted to talk about the Ozark finale. And I I was a little behind. I have now finished it. So if you, so Monica, you have the floor to to assess the uh, Ozark uh, finale.
5: Oh, no, wait a minute. Wait a
0: minute. Actually, I'm on season three of Ozark finale.
5: Okay, we can't do it.
1: We'll have to wait (laughs) until the next season. (laughs) Next (laughs) Next episode. (laughs) Next episode. episode. I don't...
5: I, it's funny because that's a show that I've been watching, uh, with my brother, uh, literally every night. Uh, we started about, uh, two weeks, three weeks ago. And, um, yeah, we're on season three, almost, uh, at the end, at the last episode, we're about to start season four. So, uh, it would be a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's sorry. a big
0: explosion at the end. No. So we won't, we won't yeah. give anything away. Yeah. The, uh, I've been this week. I started watching, uh, we own this city on HBO uh, made the creators of the wire. It's not as good as The Wire, but it's it's sort of nice to be back in that in that environment with, with those characters and that writing. But my official recommendation for this week is the quest for the cup, uh, the, the quest for the Stanley Cup on ESPN Plus. We have a lot of behind the scenes sports shows like hard knocks. We talked about a lot with the Cowboys. But this one is interesting in that it takes place during the most intense, passionate, crazy chaos-filled time of year in the NHL, the chase for the Stanley Cup. So uh, it really gets underway in earnest tonight, uh, Friday, May 27th. So, so check out Quest for the Stanley Cup on ESPN+. Uh, Marcus, since you just graduated, you now have a master's degree. Let's bring you in here, too. What do you have uh, for us that you've been watching or listening to?
1: you know last week i i, I recommended the lincoln lawyer um, new netflix original it's based off the movie but it's now a series on netflix i i really enjoyed that i'm really really bummed um and i'm really also really excited for pedro to finish ozark so um i can't wait to to discuss and pedro i hope uh you'll enjoy the the final season of, of ozark
5: Looking forward to it, man. Uh, I mean, these actors, I mean, uh, Wendy and Marty Bird, I mean, they, I mean, they, it's just amazing. It's fantastic. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, um, yeah, uh, unfortunately, I don't want to
0: get any spoilers just yet. So, yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) Now, we, uh, that you mentioned being from Venezuela, of course, you know, Rangers fans immediately think of uh, Rube Neto and Elvis Andrews, Uh, Miguel Cabrera, obviously. I guess you would say he's the best player to come out of Venezuela with 3000 hits and 500 homers. One of only seven people to do that. The uh, triple crown right. in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, yeah, triple crown winner. Uh, I grew up, you know, as a Chicago white Sox fan. And so for us, what I knew about Venezuela was Chico Carascal, Luis Aparicio and Ozzy Guillen. We had this, this strain. Now Cariscal was before my time, but I knew that's what Venezuela meant to me was, Shortstops to the to the White Sox, but what a, just say a word about the the sports heritage of your of your home country because it really is. G- Gravis Vasquez played in the NBA. There've been a couple other uh, NBA players. Uh, it really is a remarkable uh, sports heritage that goes beyond baseball. Oh man, Kevin. I mean, actually, you just brought up a
5: name, uh, Chico Carrasquel. There's a stadium named after him in Venezuela. Uh, so uh, yeah, it, 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 we're such a baseball country, and um, soccer has. Started to take in over in the last uh, five years, but still, obviously, baseball. You know, you, you mentioned Miguel Cabrera. We have Jose Altuve, even though he plays for the Astros. That's a bummer. But, yeah. um, but then again, as a matter of fact, uh, there's one player right now in the Rangers, Martin Perez. Uh, he's having a Cy Young season, as a matter of fact. His uh, ERA, it's under two. He's like 1.6, I believe. Uh, He just did a shutout against the Astros uh, the other night uh, over the weekend. So for people watching the Rangers baseball, uh, I would strongly uh, recommend watching him uh, pitch. If you want to go to a game in Arlington, he's having an amazing season. But uh, yeah, going back to your question, I mean, it's just great. I mean, growing up in in that type of environment, where uh, you know you go to a stadium, and in this case it's baseball, and people live it. It's breathing colors, such as soccer here or football. So um, it's wonderful. I really enjoyed uh, growing up in Venezuela and, and having the ability to watch a lot of these players. I watched Bobby Abreu when he was playing in Venezuela. Uh, I get to watch a little bit of Omar scale when he was on his later years. So um, it's great. It's wonderful to see how much they
0: appreciate it here in Major League Baseball and some of them in Cooperstown. And good tip on, on Martin Perez. He's, he's fulfilling the promise the Rangers had for him in the, the, you know, for the first go-around. So so it's great to have you on and great to visit with you, Pedro. Thanks for, for being with us this week. Uh, on behalf of Monica Paula Dell Sports Commission, thanks to all of our guests. Thanks to the Mike Drop production team, Daniel Whitlaw-Pescura, Angela Lang, Marcus Carr, Reeves Eddins, all of Tony Faye PR. Thanks to Ren over at Vocal Media. And of course, our visionary and showrunner, Tony Faye. Until next time, thanks for listening, everybody.